Testing, one, two, three. Good. Testing. Let me test my voice now. No oh, clipping. We're you're good. You're a little louder. No, we're, well, I'm louder because I have a deeper voice. Do we have to not talk over each other? We can talk over each oh other. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> that was good. All right, uh, this is Lisa from Mad Money Monster, and we are back for another episode of the Mad Money Monster show. I, of course, have Mr. Mad Money Monster with me. Yay. <laughs> and today we have a guest. Yes, we do. We have Ty from Debt Ascent, and he is going to tell us all about his uh, debt journey. Yeah. Uh, going into debt and climbing back out of it uh, with he and his wife. And uh, so welcome, Ty. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, would you mind just going and giving our audience just a quick overview of who you are and and your blog and just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, my wife and I are um, a pair of early 30-somethings. Uh, we got ourselves into a massive amount of student loan debt uh, to attend professional school. I ended up uh, going into a PhD program for engineering and my wife um, is a dentist. So uh, we graduated college in the spring of 2009. And around that time, it was very difficult for me as, a, as an engineer to find work uh, at the height of the Great Recession. And so my wife was already planning to go into um, dentistry and she had applied to schools and had gotten into a few. And so between the two of us trying to figure out what was best, um, made the decision that I would apply for graduate school as well. And so from that moment, we went from roughly 70,000 in student loan debt for the two of us to acquire our bachelor's degrees um, to eventually you know, hitting what we call or refer to as rock bottom on the blog um, of just over $500,000 in student loan debt. Oh my. <laughs> wow. So, okay, so by the time everything was said and done, I think on your blog, you say it's $521,741 of yeah. student loan debt. <laughs> so, yeah, to be to be crystal clear, um, there was one small, I shouldn't say small, relatively small um, vehicle loan in there. So the I forget the exact breakdown, but it was just over $500,000 for the student loans and then uh, a note for the uh, the vehicle loan. But yeah, at, at rock bottom, the... The worst we ever were was five hundred twenty-one thousand and some odd dollars. My wow! And okay, so you and your wife—you're both professionals, obviously, yeah. with this kind of debt. Um, so professional salaries after after school, you were able to get uh, jobs in your field of study. Yeah, fields of study, I suppose. Yeah, so that was a bit messy. Um, my wife graduated a little before me. So some people may not be as familiar, but PhD, PhD programs aren't, um, you know, structured like some other programs. And so you kind of get done when you finish and not on some, some arbitrary timescale. So my wife finished after, you know, traditional four-year program. She found work in the um, fall of 2013, um, but I didn't graduate until the, the very end of, of 2013. And so we actually ended up moving shortly thereafter when I got my my first position. And so we had a bit of a transition there where my wife had to stop working for a couple months because it, it took a while for her to find um, a job at the new location where we had moved to. And so that's why, you know, even though we had graduated before then, you know, we hit this this worst point in early 2014 after we had gotten settled in 
in the location where I had started my first job. Okay, so so 2014, rock bottom, you were at the height of your debt. Yeah. Uh, going toward that, that point, you were going toward that debt and, and taking on that debt with eyes wide open. Is that a fair assessment? Like you knew it was going to cost X amount of dollars for both of these schools uh, to get through this school and and you were willingly taking on that debt knowing that you would be able to pay it back. Yeah. So backing up a little bit, when we were making the decision of what to do near the end of our undergraduate studies, um, my wife was um, obviously very interested in uh, a medical degree and I was still trying to find a path to get um, get started with my career right away until the the issues with the Great Recession happened, jobs were hard to find, all that. But regardless, we knew she was going to go into uh, dental school. So we had kind of ran the numbers and knew, you know, dental schools run at or above a lot of the medical schools. And uh, our particular issue was that um, the state we grew up in doesn't have any um, in-state programs. So we had to look out of state and or private. Uh, the issue with a lot of in-state schools or or state schools that are a little cheaper is that they reserve a, a lot of their um, admissions to in-state students. And so her best chance as far as getting in was to apply to a couple private schools, which are more expensive. So um, in the end, we we realized that, you know, it was going to be very expensive to go on the order of $60,000 just in tuition per year, plus I mean, cost of living, books, um, you know, equipment, things like that. So it added up quickly. But um, going into it in the fall of 2008, spring 2009, I started to get really serious about personal finance. And I remember distinctly going into a um, bookstore and going straight to the personal finance section and just taking a look around and uh, found a book. It was called The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. And uh, I read that cover to cover in the first couple days and I just sat her down and told her, I said, you know, it doesn't matter what the first few years of this are going to look like. We're going to make our way back out and, you know, we're going to just take off from there because the steps that we're going to take to get out of debt are going to be the same steps that we take on the other side and we're going to grow our wealth, um, you know, in the, in the, in the years after that. So that was kind of the plan going in, you know, as we were on the descent, I guess we call it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That is great. I love that you had a plan even before or as it was happening, but but even at the very beginning of descent into debt. I love that you already had the plan, which is going to make taking on the debt, it, it's going to change your mindset in, in that in that situation as well. Um, so you're not feeling this overwhelming stress and dread and oh my gosh we took on another 60,000 this year. Yeah. You you knew that was the plan and then the plan to get back out is, you know, is a different plan. And I love yeah. that you mentioned that book, The Automatic Millionaire. I have that as well. <laughs> that was <laughs> yes. one that I started out with too. And I had a very similar situation um going into a bookstore and just wandering around back, you know, when I was much younger and I think I found Oh my gosh, I have some Susie Orman uh, books on CD, I think, and that's uh, where I got my start to. So yeah. um, that's great. Um, okay, so as far as uh, financial guidance growing up, I, it sounds like you you and your wife probably had some pretty solid backing. Maybe is uh, maybe I'm just assuming that. But yeah, so 
my wife and I, um, I think each of us had very supportive families. Um, we came, each of us came from good structures, um, and, and all that. But as far as financially, um, I wouldn't say that we had too much, you know, like of a head start, um, as far as that goes. So my, my parents and her parents, they're both, you know, blue collar workers worked hard for everything they had and they gave us as much as they could. But as far as like preparing us for something like this, you know, we kind of were on our own and, um, like the financial, um, education, we're kind of, you know, to a certain extent self-taught and we kind of, like I said, in that, that last semester or two of college of undergrad was when we really, you know, turned the dial and, and started, you know, focusing our efforts and, and, you know, trying to make ourselves accountable for what we're getting ourselves into and what we're going to do to get out. Right. So, okay. Take us to that moment in what was it? February, 2014, I believe you said on the blog where you were at rock bottom, you were over $500,000 student loans. Take us to that moment and what was going on in your life and how did you start the the ascent out? So the last thing where we hit rock bottom and we knew it was rock bottom was we, like I said, we had relocated to, so I could start my job a few months before and my wife had just found um, a new job. And when we had moved to this new location, we had, we had ditched one car and so we, we were down to a single car and that last little bump to, to drop us all the way down was taking out a car loan to get a vehicle. So we had a second vehicle so we could each get to work. And so we knew it was rock bottom because we were taking out this last loan and we guaranteed ourselves this was the last vehicle loan. This was the last loan other than a mortgage we were ever going to take out. And we were just starting our careers. So we both started in the low six figures and we just knew, you know, we, we have this relative to what we grew up with and relative to our expectations and our, you know, our experience up to that point, uh, a minimum of 200,000 a year was just insane amount of money. So we figured even though we're in this huge, huge debt hole, we have this huge, huge shovel to dig ourselves out. And so that's just, that's just how we treated it. And we just tried our best to kind of live the same, the same life, live, within well within our means so that we had a big portion of this big shovel to help dig ourselves out is it safe to say you were still living kind of like uh students to a certain extent i think uh so backing up a little bit at this point we also had um our son with us and he he was you know a year and a half old at this point so we had a large expense related to that to daycare that we were kind of trading off between you know starting a new career and adding this. So um, our expenses naturally kind of exploded at the same time because of daycare and some of these other things. Um, but as far as all the other stuff goes, you know, we lived in a, in a two bedroom apartment and, you know, we drove, even though we had gotten a new vehicle new to us, you know, we tried to keep it, you know, somewhat modest and, so I, I think there was a certain level of increase, but definitely not what, you know, the typical PhD and or dentist lifestyle looks like. So at any point along this this journey where you're you're climbing back out, did you ever feel discouraged or deprived or just 
not motivated? If I'm being completely honest, I would have to say no. So in the beginning, it was tough because those first few months when we were trying to, you know, make progress, our loans were all at the standard rates, which range from 6.8 to 8.5%. So if you average that out to like 7.5% on $500,000, we were paying $2,000 a month just in interest. Right. So so every month, every $2,000 we could put away was just so we could break even. So that first year was tough, but I think if I remember correctly, that first year we were able to um, pay off $50,000. And so wow. 50,000 relative to 500,000 felt like a drop in the bucket. But when I, when we took a step back and thought through it, it's like, we're never going to have this high of an interest payment again. Our salaries will probably never be this low again. And we were still able to find a way to pay off 10% of what we owed. If we keep making progress like this as our salaries grow and as the amount of interest we're paying each month goes down we're going to start making better progress each year and you know if we just stay down this path we're going to be able to get it paid off relatively quickly and can we talk about where are you now in your in your debt repayment sure so um as of i'd say two weeks ago now we made our last student loan payment and we're officially (laughs) out of debt Congratulations. Oh my God, that's a humongous uh, accomplishment. That is just amazing. Congratulations. Super big congratulations. Thank you very much. That has got to feel amazing. So how does that feel? <laughs> um, it's been a few weeks now, but it's still surreal. Um, I think we're still waiting for the first few paychecks to roll in and realize that it doesn't all mostly have to go out right away. Right. I think it'll feel more real over you know the the next few months when we can start uh, keeping a, a good chunk of that. So that, that'll feel nice. Like, were you living on one income and, and using the other income to just pay down the debt? Or, you know, how was that? How was that looking? That that was that was kind of always the plan when we had talked about this and talking about taking on all this debt to uh, for her to go to medical school, um, because that was the more expensive um, half of the equation here. The thought was always, if we could live off of one income, which we thought would be a piece of cake, you know, we we grew up in households where they made median incomes. If we could find a way for the two of us to live on one six-figure income, which should not be a problem, then <laughs> we would have this other giant income coming in and we could just ignore it. And then once the loans were paid off, we would, we would, you know, have that at our disposal for savings, investing all those things. So that was always kind of the plan. In practice, it didn't really work out that way because we kind of transitioned to a zero-based budget with YNAB and it just became <laughs> a lot a lot more structured as far as, you know, making sure every penny that comes in and every penny goes out is accounted for. And so right. it, it more or less turned out that way, but um, you could say, you know, effectively that's how it worked out. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy we were able to do it, um, but yeah, I would say the implementation of our strategy definitely um, evolved over time and matured. And I love that you you did this before lifestyle inflation <laughs> reared its head into your lives, right? Like you you both you said you were both grew up in you know these average kind of house households, and so you were used to that lifestyle, and there was no need to you know get used to a different lifestyle before paying off that debt, which is, that's an amazing um, 
tip for anybody out there who's who's uh, in similar situation, right? So with the student loan crisis uh, that we hear about, um, what would be your, I guess, advice to others who are, you know, struggling and they see this balance and it seems, you know, hopeless, <laughs> you know, what, sure. what is your advice to them? Yeah, I think I have a lot of strong opinions on this specifically for high income folks, because that's kind of, you know, feel yes. like that's who we can talk to because that's, you know, our experience. Yes. Um, I really think that the, the, there's a, a gap here in the personal finance space um, as far as what people view as, um, you know, the balance between paying off debt and living expenses and all that. As one's income increases, the amount that one can put towards debt should theoretically increase. So I, I wrote a post about this, just comparing, um, you know, a, a, a given debt to income ratio for two different people. So if they had the same debt to income ratio, but one of them had a lower income and lower debt, one of them had a higher income, higher debt. I made the argument that the person in a higher amount of debt is going to have a far easier time because of that higher income, because there's no reason that that person has to have any higher expenses than the other person. So if a given family or person has has a, a given set of um, amount of expenses, all that extra can be put towards debt or at least a giant chunk of it. So the, the bigger that income is, the easier it is to pay off a large amount of debt. And so for us to pay off half a million dollars in student loan debt, I don't think is nearly as impressive as someone who can pay off $50,000 in debt on a $50,000 income right. because their, their right. margin is so much smaller that it's hard for you know someone that makes less to have this big delta, this big gap. Whereas yes. if you make a lot of money, there's all this pressure to increase your lifestyle. But I mean, that's not the same thing as you know being on the lower end of the in income income spectrum and having to try to find a way to make these payments. So the high income folks are going to be fine, even if they have a high amount of student loan debt. It sounds bad. It looks bad, but their ability to pay off debt is going is so much easier. I think the focus you know, and efforts to help people and especially from an education standpoint should be geared towards those in the low to mid um, income ranges because it's a lot harder to, to put money towards student loan debt when you don't have much coming in. That's an excellent it's point. It's a fantastic point. I, I have a question um, just off to the side about this then just to get your opinion and, and maybe you don't have an answer for it, but that is... Sure. Uh, what what gains seems to gain a lot of headlines on on the front pages of like Yahoo News or whatever are uh, we make three hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year and we're drowning in debt. Um, <laughs> how does this happen? Where what you've just said uh, makes perfect sense. So are these clickbait articles? Are these just very handpicked, cherry picked articles to further a narrative just to get things going? How is somebody who's making a couple that is making 300, I just saw this article, $366,000 a year, how are they drowning in debt? And part of it, most of it, as a matter of fact, it said in the article was student loan debt. Sure. Yeah, I I think those people are definitely out there. Um, and I think a, a, a chunk of it is maybe living in high cost of living areas. A big chunk of it is lifestyle inflation. You know, they yeah. think if they make this level of money, that you know they can live in a million dollar house. 
and they can drive $75,000 cars and, you know, go on $10,000 vacations. If you make that level of money, there's no reason why you can't eventually get to those things. But it, it should be kind of graduated over time. Mm-hmm. Um, when as soon as you finish school, if you have if you owe so much money, you know, the, to me, the biggest focus is always on cash flow. The, the larger amount of cash flow, which which I'm calling the delta between your income and your expenses, the the larger that is, the more damage you can do towards student loans, savings, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So early on, when your income's lower, you need to kind of keep your lifestyle inflation in check because it's only going to go up over time. So the, the longer you can suppress that, not only the better off you'll be long term, but the better those inflation you know, that inflation will feel over time because if you if you can live on fifty thousand dollars a year in year one and year two, when you bump that up to sixty thousand, you know, that's a twenty percent increase in you know in your lifestyle. Whereas if you start off at a hundred thousand and you jump to one ten, you're not gonna it's not gonna feel the same. And so I I can definitely understand why or how a couple that makes that that sum of money could be in uh, you know in bad financial shape because, you know, like doctor lifestyles, you know, that's a real thing. Now that is a problem, but that's not to say it's the same level of a problem as someone who makes 50,000 and is really struggling to get by. You know, the, the, the couple that makes 300 K plus, there's definitely things, there's definitely things that they can trim out or cut to start getting ahead. The same cannot necessarily be said for someone on the lower end of the income spectrum. So you're not necessarily on fire, but you're definitely on the FI path, right? So you're, you and your wife are, um, are aiming at financial independence. So what do you see that uh, looking like for your future? Is this something you're going to hit a certain number and then you will decide at that point what your path is going to be? Yeah. So one thing we tried to do over the last few years was really try to live a life that we were happy with and we wanted to maximize you know our fulfillment relative to the amount we were spending so we i really don't like the notion or the idea that you have to put your life on hold until you're out of debt we did not live that way and i really hope if you have the means to do it to avoid that because you know if you owe hundreds of thousands of dollars or or whatever number that's going to take a long time to pay it off. You have to be able to find a way to live a fulfilling life while also making progress towards your goals. And so I guess we've tried our best to do that over time to optimize that so that now I I feel like coming out of it, not much is going to change. And instead of all that money going to a bank to pay off a, a, a student loan, now it's going to just go into an investment account or savings account. Um, things like that. So I don't see much in the way changing about how we live, um, really about, you know, how we spend. I think just it's going to go from one basket into another. And then eventually that other basket's going to be big enough that we can really start talking about um, the, you know, the flexibility that offers us, us, whether it's scaling back a bit or anything like that. We don't want to kind of put ourselves into a box about what we're going to do when we hit a certain number, but um, we just know and like the idea that it's going to give us options and some flexibility. Do you have anything that you're working on on the blog or anything that you want to share with with our audience? Now that we're officially out of debt, I think our focus is going to move from being 
about kind of our path, our story, um, into kind of our philosophy about, you know, challenging kind of the the status quo or the the norms that that we hear about so often from some of the financial gurus or even some other people in the personal finance space. So I think, you know, a lot of folks have this narrative or this idea that debt is horrible. Debt is something that needs to be, you know, frowned upon and you're a failure if you're in debt, all those things. And we've never really believed that. Now, granted, we're probably a little biased because we were in so much of it. But we really try to to make the point over time that we are able to climb out of this debt because we got into it in the first place. The things we got from our debt are the the reasons why we were able to pay it off quickly. The the reason why we'll ideally be able to um, grow our wealth relatively quickly over time. So trying to frame the argument that it's not about or the idea of going into debt shouldn't automatically equate to being some sort of failure or that you made some poor decisions because I don't think that's true. I mean, in an ideal case, we would live in a system or society where going into student loan debt wasn't an issue or wasn't a problem. But the problem is we need, you know, we need pharmacists and veterinarians that come from, you know, households of teachers and, and, you know, blue collar families rather than just coming from affluent families. So I think there's going to be a place for student loans. And so I think people that do have a large amount of student loan debt, I think having someone out there that can show them, hey, it doesn't have to be all beans and rice and being miserable sure. while you're <laughs> right. getting out of debt, you know, maybe maybe that will, um, you know, hopefully help a few people out. It's okay that you're in this position. You don't have to feel like a failure. You don't have to feel like you made a mistake just because you wound up in X number of dollars of debt. And, you know, over time you can, you know, improve your position and hopefully five, 10, 15 years from now, you can look back and, and look at that as a good decision that you made because of where you are at that time. I think what you're talking about is something you, uh, I, I've read on your blog, you said debt is personal and, and that was a positive spin that you put on it. And oh, yeah. I really, really enjoyed, enjoyed that. That Very was, much so. Yeah, something that I hope speaks to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I think whatever whatever it takes someone to get out of debt is what they should do. For the people that need that rage and fire against it to get rid of it, more power to you. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're going to be in debt for, you know, 10 plus years like we were, I think that you're going to you're going to struggle if that's your your mentality. But if you keep into perspective why you did it, and then don't ignore the benefits that that debt gave you. In our case, because of that debt, we started at low six figures and it's grown from there. So it, it would be disingenuous for me to, to look back and say, oh, this, this debt was nothing but bad for us. A few years later, we're out of it and now we get to keep all this income that that debt helped us get educations for to acquire in the first place. Well, congratulations on this uh, on this journey and for making that final payment. That was a, just an outstanding achievement. Um, Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, so is there anything else that you would want to share with our audience? Did we miss anything? Is there any major point that you want to make? One thing that I really like folks out there who are maybe new to personal finance, new to financial independence is is find a voice that, that works for you. Um, there's a, a bunch of different perspectives out there. I think if anyone tells you that their philosophy is right, 
you should really question what they're saying because I think there are so many different personalities. There's so many different scenarios and and situations that people find themselves in. You know, find find someone that matches you know your situation to a certain extent, or or has the framework and philosophy that you know agrees with you. But for anybody out there that wants to uh, continue following your story, where can they find you? Yeah, so we blog over at debtascent.com, D-E-B-T-A-S-C-E-N-T.com. And uh, fairly active on Twitter, uh, handles at Dedescent. And uh, yeah, anyone who wants to stop by and tell us a little bit about their story, we'd love to hear it. Um, any any comments? If you if you disagree with what we're talking about, we'd love to hear that too, because we do like these different perspectives, and we're not so um, full of ourselves that we think that we have all the answers. Can't argue with that. No. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Ty, for coming on the show and for sharing your story. I'm sure you're going to be an inspiration for a lot of people out there. I think it was yeah. fantastic. And congratulations to you both. Yes. All thank right. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, head on over to iTunes and give us a like and a review. And if you want to read our blog, it's madmoneymonster.com. And we are all over social media at Mad Money Monster. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at themadmoneymonster at gmail.com.